0: Turn with me to the Gospel of John. Let's go to chapter 12. We want to look at verses 1 through 11. Jesus, six days before Passover. That's what the caption in my study Bible says. We've been so busy doing so many different things coming right off of uh, our conference in Tucson that we always go to. And and literally, uh, it just bypassed me that you know Easter is around the corner which we call Resurrection Sunday and I always like to give some introduction as we do for Christmas and we have a time of teachings prior to Christmas and the celebration of Christmas the importance of Christmas well the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and so as I was praying as I was looking uh, different aspects of the the various gospels, each one has a little bit of a different message, and yet it's it's the same, and speaking of Christ and his resurrection. And so Jesus, uh, the last days as man, and I hope you understand that, uh, he's a special man. He is called the God-man, the incarnate God, God in the flesh. He took on the body of, of a man, and that was to identify with us. When we think or we say in our own minds and our own hearts, God, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know the situation that I'm in? Uh, the trials, the hardship, the pain? And yet, in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, He knew and He knows what we're going through, what you're going through, what any Christian is going through, because he went through them also. And that's why he can identify with us. Anything that's happened to man, you can easily say he understood. I mean, as God, he wouldn't have understood that uh, understanding, you know, the suffering. And yet, when he becomes a man and he takes part of the crucifixion, Trust me, he knows pain. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he he didn't want to go to the cross. If there be any other way, he prays to the Father, uh, take this cup, take this cross, the cup of death, take it away. But if not, let not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus, the God-man. Jesus, considered also in Scripture, is the second Adam. He never left his position as God. He always... Was God, always will be God. But he took on the body of man. And I've often asked the question myself, Lord, why would you do that? I mean, would you trade places for somebody else? Think about it. Would you give up your son? Would you give up your daughter for mankind? That's exactly what the father did. And Jesus knew that it was going to be hideous. He knew that it was going to be painful. He knows everything that's before him in these last days as he's looking at the cross. But he went to the cross to give us life, life eternal. Jesus often said, I didn't come because the religious sect uh, assumed that he came to destroy the law. But he came to fulfill the law, to complete the law. Animal sacrifices were not enough. They were just a covering. The Hebrew says it was the kofar. It covered our sin, but it didn't forgive our sin. And again, the high priest would have to go and and go before uh, the tabernacle and then hear from God and then come back and give it back to the people. And they did that year after year. And then they would hope and pray that uh, the sins that were disposed upon the goat and the goat went, was released into the countryside, that he would keep going and their sins would be taken away. But what happened when the goat returned? Well, their sins weren't forgiven. And so Jesus, according to the book of Hebrews, uh, he's our complete sacrifice. Jesus, according to the book of Hebrews, is our complete high priest. And all of this was fulfilled at Calvary two thousand years ago. I'll leave a marker there and turn with me to Matthew chapter five, real quick. In chapter five, verses seventeen to th- through twenty, uh, Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And the religious sect. Uh, assumed that he came to destroy the law. He fulfilled the law. But they were all looking for a Messiah that would come and rule with an iron fist to remove the oppression of Rome. But Jesus came to die as a meek lamb, as the Scriptures declared. And they couldn't see it. In Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 17. This is all part of the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7. He says, do you... Do not think that I came to destroy the law or, to, or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but I came to fulfill. The religious sect was blinded. As so many of us, before we came to Christ, we were blinded. Paul was blinded. In fact, Paul had scales in front of his eyes. He couldn't see nothing. And yet for three days, God ministered to him uh, there in Damascus. In verse 18, for assuredly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, one jot, one tittle, these are uh, grammar points that were part of the Hebrew writings, will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Notice as it says, I say to you, until heaven and earth are passed away. According to the book of Revelation chapter 21, there's a new Jerusalem coming, a new heaven and a new earth. But God's word will not pass away. And that's the power of God's word. Look at verse 19. Whosoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so uh, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of God. You know, so many times as Christians we say, well, you know, we don't need the Ten Commandments. Why do you say that? Why do Christians say that? We need the Ten Commandments. We need to abide by the Ten Commandments. Yes, the greatest commandment is God's love. But when you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments uh, were speaking about God. Our obedience towards God. Our reverence towards God. And and then you see the last uh, six commandments. It's to our fellow man. It's to our fellow man. And so the Old Testament and New Testament today, what does God want from us? What did he want in the Ten Commandments? What does he want today? He wants our obedience. God desires for us to obey the word of God. And we've shared this many times in the Old Testament. When you go to Deuteronomy chapter 27 and you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you obey God, he's going to bless you. If not, he's going to curse you. And oftentimes when the prophets came, uh, The kings usually knew what they were doing, what the nation of Israel was doing. And it's obvious he's not coming to bless us. And so the judgments would come. And we need to take heed to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And he finishes it off here in verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness... And that's translated the right living with God exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your right living is better than the right living of the pious ones, you will not enter heaven. It's radical. You see, they tried so hard uh, to complete the law and they failed miserably. And it was about them, it was not about the people. And so God comes into the picture by sending his son uh, to become the mercy seat for us. And and through him we we acquired what? Grace. Unmerited favor. We deserve judgment. He gives us grace. I love that. Because I deserve judgment. So do you. But he gives me his grace. And so I want to look at these 11 verses. Let's go back to the Gospel of John now. In verses 12, or chapter 12, excuse me, verses 1 through 11. The anointing at Bethany. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. A time of celebration because of Lazarus' new life? Possibly. But it's six days before the Passover, Jesus attends a dinner in his honor at the home of one called Simon the leper. You find that in Matthew 26 and and also in Mark chapter 14. Again, you get the various descriptions and various teachings from all the Gospels. All of Jesus' friends are in attendance there. But we're going to see something Mary. Insight, I believe, by the Holy Spirit, was preparing him for his death. She anoints him with oil. And not on the forehead as that normally was done. She anoints his feet with oil. And ladies, please understand this. The Hebrew mom or the Hebrew woman always had her hair up or she had it under the veil and such. And for her to lower her hair down. And for her to take her her hair, the pride, the 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 pride position of a woman, and then to clean, and to dry. The Savior's feet, and if you can think in your mind the aroma, the fragrance, spike nard was, uh, just a powerful, uh, an ointment that just magnified, and it filled the house, and. Did some of it go outside of the house? You know when you're baking something and it's good and it's not burnt? The aroma that follows. And people go, what are you cooking, you know? All of a sudden, you like your neighbor, you know? Notice now, in verse 2, there they made him a supper. Speaking of Christ. But also... Lazarus, I think he was part of the celebration. And Martha was serving. We know that about Martha. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Scholars say this was possibly two months after Lazarus had died. And then four days, and then he rose again from the grave. Martha was always serving, and Mary, her sister, was always worshiping. There is a balance, and we know that a time to serve, but obviously uh, there's a time to worship. And we're going to read the passage later. Martha often complained. Lord, you should tell her something. She's not serving, Lord. She's so busy worshiping God. and She probably raises her hand as soon as I come in with dishes in my hand. You know, and we're, we're good at that. Be careful when we murmur and complain about that person or about that person. What about you? What about me? What about my heart? I've often said we point our finger at somebody, we have three more pointing back. And so again, be careful. You're trying to take the speck out of your brother's eye and you have a two-by-four in your own eye. You know, I'm reminded because there was a time to worship and there's a time to serve. Remember when Joshua lost the battle of Ai? Ai? He thought, it's just a small battle. We took Jericho. It was huge. And, and so Ai is nothing, and it just went in. Well, they got defeated. They came back. The Bible says that Joshua went in his tent, and he fell down and to pray and, and cry out to the Lord. And the Lord said, Joshua, it's not time to pray. It's time to get up and, and, and go find out why you lost the battle. And so there's a time to pray. There's a time to worship God. There's a time to serve. And, and think about it, that God would tell him, it's not time to pray. And so we have to see what God has for us. And so Martha took the, the position of serving, and was she a little bit jealous? Because Mary took the, the place of, of worshiping the Lord. And verse 3 it says, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, of spikenard. Anointed the feet of Jesus, and then wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled, it's with overflowing, filled with the fragrance of the oil. And so, this pound of spikenard, very costly, but not just, you know, we have our oil up here in the front, and when we anoint somebody, we put a dab on the forehead. This is a pound. This was quite a bit, and it was we know in another gospel it was an alabaster box, and and so it was something precious, something that you just didn't use on on anybody. Something costly. In fact, the price you're going to see uh, at this time it's considered a year's wages. Think about that. Guy, Mary, would you waste a a year's wages on somebody's feet? It's the master's feet. It's Jesus' feet. What did King David say to Arona, remember? What can I give to the Lord unless it first cost me? Here in verse 3, at supper, Mary gave a gift to Jesus. She washed the feet of a guest. It's a normal procedure in the Middle East. But you generally wash them with water, and then you would anoint the forehead. You would anoint the head. It was proper to do. And then remember when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples uh, in John chapter 13, the next chapter, uh, he put a towel on him, and that was the badge of a servant. And Jesus went and washed everybody's feet, and then he dried them. Mary's doing something totally different. What was unusual, that Mary used costly oil of spikenard, one pound of it, then to wipe Jesus' feet with her uh, her hair, total humility and praise towards Jesus. The oil was usually for the forehead. The water was usually for the feet. And Mary doesn't have a towel of a servant on, as Jesus did in, Ma- in John chapter 13, but with her own hair. And I have to imagine that her hair is very long. And she just cleans them up. And, and in awe of everybody else, they're just watching. What's going on here? What's Mary doing? Is she showing off? Or, you know, why? Why the feet? Uh, was Mary preparing Jesus, listen, for his walk of a king? Mary was also showing his death and resurrection, preparing his body. Mary letting her hair down in the presence of others was uh, not done in the, in the Jewish culture, especially for the woman. She's uh, a bunch of men that are there. Notice when we truly worship the Lord, the aroma fills the temple. The aroma fills the the house of the Lord. The aroma filled Simon the leper's home. I love that. You know, when we have a time of worship here, I believe it's a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. That's why we've encouraged you when you're worshiping the Lord. It's time to worship, not to do other things. And we all get busy. We get the phone call, and we should have the ringer off. And trust me, whatever emergency is on that phone, you can take care of that after. When my dad passed away, uh, my wife knew and after the, sec- the first service, but she didn't tell me till after because I needed to do the- finish the service. No, my dad was dying already. I knew that. So it wasn't like, oh, you should have told me. I, I-, I wouldn't have wanted to come up and teach the second service with that on my mind and that on my heart. And so Mary was worshiping the Lord, and the aroma, it it has to just grab you. You know, when you see some of the cartoons, and you you see somebody's baking again, we were talking about, and you see the smoke, and, and sometimes the smoke gets a hold of their nostrils and brings them in. What were the people partaking that maybe weren't inside and wanted to be inside? I want you to study a passage in Isaiah chapter 6. The Lord is sitting on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The seraphims, these were a, a type of angels, they had two wings on the top, and two wings on the back, and the two wings at the feet. And these seraphims cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then there was a shaking. And then the smoke filled the house. All this as Isaiah was being called to be a prophet of God. It cost Mary. It was very costly. And again, I mentioned Orona, I want to give you the scripture. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, uh, David had gotten in trouble as king. He had counted uh, Israel and he wasn't supposed to count them. And God sent a prophet and told him, David, you need to repent of this. And so David did. And he went up to the threshing floor of a Jebusite by the name of Arona. And he looked at him. And he says, king, what do you want? He says, I want to buy a a plot here. I want want to do worship unto the Lord. Oh, man, you're the king, man. Here, take it. I'm not going to charge you. And David backed up and said, listen, what can I give to the Lord unless it first cost me? It's a radical statement. And, and some of you uh, giving up of your time, what can I give if it doesn't first cost me? Some of you giving of your finances, what can I give if it first doesn't cost me? And let's face it. Some of us can give more than others in various things. But does it cost you, or is it so easy to do? That's something that I take to heart, you know. I I like to support missionaries. I know some of you like to support missionaries. And and I believe sometimes that's above and beyond your your tithes and your offerings. And, And obviously, that's between you and God. And I love taking 10%. Uh, of the money from this church that comes in every Sunday and we distribute uh, to various missionaries. very important to me, very important to me. And I hope it's important to you because God uh, will hold us accountable. And so that it first cost me. Uh, and I like to share this when it comes to giving of time or when it comes to giving of your finances, you know, oh, man, i got to go to church again. It's early. The time change. It's easier to stay in bed. But if your friend calls and says, hey, you want to go fishing tomorrow? I'll be right there. You know? Man, there's that preacher again. He wants money. And you go over here to Red Lobster and 150 bucks is nothing. What do we give to the Lord that at first did not cost me? Look at verse 4. And so Mary gave of all. Think about it. A spikenard of one pound for one year. One year's wages. It was costly. It hurt her. But she did it unto the Lord. Or did she prepare for this purpose? Could very well be. Look at verse 4 again. But one of his disciples, and here he comes, uh, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, listen to what he says, In verse 5, why was this fragment of oil uh, not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Oh, Judas, you sound good. I was taught many years ago, Calvary Chapel in West Covina, we would go to retreats, we would go to conferences, uh, we would go to a conference, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, I was taught years ago when you go to the mountaintop, to hear from the Lord uh, such as we just come back from the conference center in Tucson I look forward to that anything to do with the Lord here the supper is, is going very well the worship of Jesus is awesome imagine again the aroma the fragrance of the home of Simons uh, the leper everybody's in awe of what's taking place the devil will rise his ugly head he will rise his ugly head. Coming home from uh, Tucson, everything was fine. And we're having to hold on to the steering wheel because the winds were, were awful. And then we go up to Albuquerque, the same thing. Uh, the enemy likes to get, uh, get under you, and he will bring all kinds of different effects to you. Challenges in your own life. And so when you're up at the mountaintop with God, and then you come down. Be prepared. The trials, the tribulations, the hardship, the pain, the testings in your life. And here comes Judas Iscariot. Now in verse 5 we witness Judas going, uh, doing something evil other than his betrayal of Jesus that's going to come shortly. What he's doing here is openly. Later he betrays in secret. Judas successfully hid the darkness of his heart from everyone except Jesus. Jesus knew. 300 denarii was costly, the year's wages. I've often thought of this Lord, why did you let him be part of your ministry? And then we're going to see something very interesting. Not only was he part of, of the entourage of Jesus' ministry, but he had access to to the money bag. And in 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 the Hebrew or in the Greek, uh, the word for bag was something that you understand as a satchel. Uh, we probably today it's our backpacks, you know. And, and something that was actually used in the time of of the New Testament, uh, people that would put their various instruments, uh, the reeds and such, they would put in there, and kind of carrying them around. But it was also used as one that carried the money. That was Judas Iscariot. And so the description here is Judas teaching us that outward appearance can be deceptive. Many people have a religious agenda yet hide secret sins. We've seen televangelists that have been exposed. And it's always sad when, you know, the news media exposes you when it was, should have been the Holy Spirit, when a conviction comes. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Leave a marker there. And look at verses 21 and 23. I've shared this passage with you many, many times, and I share it because it affects me i share it because it speaks to me i share it because i don't want to fall trapped to this and we can easily do that in matthew chapter 7 in verse 21 listen to the words of jesus again this is part of the sermon on the mount not everyone who says to me lord lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father in heaven and that's always been my desire lord i want to do your will In verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many uh, wonders in your name? In other words, the miracle signs and wonders. And just because miracle signs and wonders are happening, and you're part of it, you're laying hands on somebody, hey, God can heal anybody, but it doesn't come from you but yet you're taking the glory? Notice what Jesus says in verse 23, and then I will declare to them, and these are the most radical words that, that I see in Scripture, I never knew you, depart from me, uh, you who practice lawlessness or sin. And Jesus, when we continue in the New Testament, who's he dealing with the most? The religious sect. The Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees, oh, they thought they were somebody. They thought they were pompous. They, I mean, they looked good. And, and today, we got people that to—they want to look like a Christian. Oh, uh, I don't care what you look like on the outside. Obviously, put some clothes on. But God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. So what if a preacher is wearing a three-piece suit and praise God if that's what he wants to do and he's got the right shoes and the pompadours working, you know? But the heart's not right? God forbid. I've shared it many times and I'll share it again. I hope what you see up here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and any other time I'm behind the pulpit is the same person you'll see outside of the walls of this church. I don't walk on water. I don't float either. And people sometimes do that, you know. Look at verse 6 with me. This he said, and here comes out his motive. Not that he cared for the poor, uh, but because he was a thief. This is Judas Iscariot. And had the money box or the money bag, and he used to take what was put in it. He pilfered from it. God forbid, but it's happened in many churches. We've had money missing here. We've caught, you know, ushers taking they shouldn't have. And we need to get rid of them quickly and sit sit them down and talk to them. But in a lot bigger churches, trust me, uh, some of the guys that uh, uh, do the the counting and, and the deposits and such, they've ripped off some churches. Couple million dollars were taken from uh, Calvary Chapel in Chino Valley, Chino Hills. One of those. Um, I remember it was all over. It was all over the newspapers in California, and naturally, people say, "Well, I'm not going to go to church there." Well, that's why these things have to be investigated, and that's why you need to have several people. And we we have a program here where we try to, you know, not just the same guys counting the money every Sunday. We got. Uh, Ten guys that pair off in twos. We have to do that. Because our flesh nature, our flesh nature is there. And so here's Judas Iscariot. Notice the personal pronoun that's used here. He, speaking clearly of Judas, he said he cared not for the poor. He had the the checkbook uh, of of the ministry. He took from or he pilfered from The offerings given, here is the most heavy part of the story on Judas Iscariot. Jesus knew Judas was all these things, plus he knew Judas's character, and yet he let him stay. Was Jesus looking for Judas to repent? I believe so. But what if Judas would have repented? Who would have betrayed Jesus? He would have been betrayed somehow, some way. When he comes into the triumphal entry, uh, they were praising him. They were worshiping him. And, and then the leadership said, the religious sect said, stop him. Stop the, stop the people from saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. And what was the response? Even if they didn't worship me, these same stones, these rocks, would cry out. Judas Had the opportunity to repent, but he did not know. Now, if the Lord, the Holy Spirit, he knew the character of Judas. What about my character? What about your character? The Bible says that God knows the intents of man. As I get older in Christ, I hate When I sin, I hate when I do something. I hate when I... uh, And right away, the Holy Spirit says, that's wrong. I don't have to have people tell me what to do. The Holy Spirit does a good job. And you don't need to tell others what to do. The Holy Spirit does a good job. And I'll tell you, (laughs) the older you get in Christ, the more the Holy Spirit brings a conviction. But Judas three and a half years of ministry wow he saw the miracle signs and wonders he saw the feeding of the 5,000 and then 4,000 he saw the, the fragments of the baskets gathered Judas how much more proof did you want to see was he there when Lazarus came forth wow four days and yet He betrays the Lord he betrays the Lord look at verse 7 now Jesus gets back into the picture overrides Judas because it wasn't his time but Jesus said let her alone speaking of Mary she has kept this for the day of my burial did Mary know or is she just starting to know She's had this alabaster box for a time. I don't know. Lord, what am I going to do with this? Is it for my family? I'm not married yet, Lord. Or was she? We, We don't have any indication. But now is the time. I want you to think before I come into the commentary on this. Sometimes things don't happen when you want them. Sometimes things don't happen when I want them. But God has a plan. I'm often being asked now, what do you think of the presidency? Uh, Who's going to run? Who are you going to vote for? I said, you know what, I'm not worried about the presidency. Because God's going to do what he has to do. I'm worried about mankind. They need to respond to the Lord. They need to respond to the Lord. But look at verse 7 here. It was not time for anything else but when Mary came to do. But to worship the Lord. Mary knew in her heart that Jesus, now at this point she knows, I believe the Holy Spirit's revealed it to her, that Jesus is going to die. Others present did not know she was moved to offer this costly gift of a devotion to her Savior. Mary had more insight than others because she spent time at the feet of Jesus. Remember Martha? She was busy serving Mary was busy worshiping the Lord. There's a balance again. This was the moment in which Jesus was being set apart for his death and burial. Mary understood this purpose, I believe. I want you to write this down. In in the book of Esther, in chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai said uh, to Esther, God has placed you here for such a time as this. We know that uh, Haman wanted to kill Mordecai, and yet he couldn't. He tried. And then Mordecai tells Esther, you're placed here for such a time as this. Little did she know. I like what a lot of commentaries, Esther was saved. Uh, she She was there for this time to save the Jews from extinction. In a sense, yes, but no. God did it. God did it. Esther was the instrument. You were placed here for such a time as this. I want you to think in your mind you've been somewhere and you go, well, what am I doing here? Why did I turn right when I wanted to turn left? Why did I miss my turn off on the freeway? You know, there's a a lot of issues. And then God shows you why you're here. You run into somebody, and you're supposed to share with them. I often wonder how many, you know, things I've missed that I should have done or how many things you've missed that you should have done. That's why we need to just be open to what the Spirit of the Lord, and sometimes nothing happens, and you say, "The Lord, Lord, you told me to turn right, and I turn right. I'm on a dead end, Lord. What's going on here? Maybe he's testing us. Maybe he wants to see if you're going to turn right or turn left. You know, God doesn't always work in the realm of man. He works in the realm of the spiritual. Mary was there for a purpose. Martha was there for a purpose. Judas Iscariot was there for a purpose. Look at verse 8 now. And so his concern was the money. Judas was. For the poor you have with you always, but me, Jesus said, you do not have always. Scripture speaks in great length concerning widows, orphans, and especially the poor. The church is to care for them, and rightfully so, but the emphasis here is on Jesus. The Holy Spirit showed Mary. Martha was all about serving, even complaining to Jesus, Lord Tell my sister to help. Mary was all about worship. I believe we all fit the position in our walk. I think there's times we murmur and complain and we shouldn't. I think there's times we're serving when maybe we should have been worshiping. And sometimes we're worshiping when we should have been serving. And I really believe that's between you and the Lord. But there is a time, listen, to worship the Lord. Now, let's get a a different flavor. Go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And again, just a little bit different uh, that we see in all the different Gospels here. And so in Luke chapter 10, look at verse 38. Now it happened as they went that they... He entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into the house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with such serving and approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And I think she used a commanding voice. Would I do this? Would you do this? Let's put it this way. I think we have. In verse 41, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Now, in the Greeks and the, well, the Hebrews, when they, when they penned something, <clears throat> excuse me, when the Hebrews said something, they didn't say it once, they said it twice. And so, Martha, 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 pay attention. You are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is in, is needed and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. The balance, church. The balance. A time to worship and a time to serve. A time to serve and, and a time to worship. And I have to be honest with you. I, I love to study the word of God. <clears throat> and sometimes, excuse me, the Lord's The Lord says, put the book down and worship. And sometimes I just have to put on some good old school Maranatha music, put my headphones on, and just give the time to the Lord. And then inside of my spirit, but i got to study. I won't have it ready. God always supplies our needs. Again, please remember the two sisters, Mary and Martha, beautiful saints of the Lord. Time to worship, a time to serve. A time to serve, a time to worship. They were both doing what the Lord had called them to do. But Martha was all hung up on it. This is the last time I'm taking the trash out. Mary, it's your job. Aye, Martha, Martha. <laughs> twice, twice. Uh, now, we come to the conclusion. And the plot to kill Lazarus. Wait a minute. I thought it was about Judas and Jesus. But I like the caption of my Bible. And again, if you're taking notes in your study, Bible, Matthew 21, Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19. They all give you the variation. Look at verse 9 now. He says, now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. Speaking of Christ. And they came. Not for Jesus' sake. I like that. Only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, two miles or so from Jerusalem was this little town of Bethany. But a great number of Jews, listen, but also religious Jews were there, according to verse 10. They all knew Jesus was at Simon the leper's house. They wanted to see Jesus firsthand. But they also had heard the stories. They were swirling all over Jerusalem about Lazarus. And pretty much everybody heard. If it's two months later. And so let's get two for the price of one. That's what I'm thinking. Let's get Jesus and then we'll also, you know, take care of Lazarus. We know that curiosity gets a hold of anybody. But also anger. Let's kill Jesus. How do you deny Lazarus had died and then he was buried for four days in the tomb? Martha had said to Jesus, when he inquired of where had you laid Lazarus? And she spoke up, Lord, by now he stinketh in, in the in the King James. I like that. He stinketh, Lord. They had that. Big old stone in front of it. I mean, imagine Jesus, or when he, when he calls out Lazarus, then he comes out. He's wrapped in, in, in burial cloth, and Jesus says, untie him, unwrap him. But I can't imagine the stench. But they were obedient to the Lord. They were obedient to the Lord. Now, Verse 10 shows us another insight. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. One of my commentaries said this uh, some of these uh, were Sadducees, the religious sect, and if so, because we have the Pharisees, scribes, and the Sadducees that are part of the Sanhedrin, and so some of these were Sadducees, if so, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection radical Lazarus was a living example of life after death and having him around was an embarrassment to their theology i've always found that intriguing why don't you get your theology right no let's keep it covered if we get rid of Lazarus they'll stop talking about he he rose from the dead right but we see Lazarus he obviously was put to death I have to say he's going to die again and by the way Lazarus did die twice (laughs) Mary and Martha would have stayed out of it maybe he wouldn't have to die twice but again for such a time as this now we often say didn't people pay attention to the death and the resurrection of Lazarus verse 11 gives us an insight and this is another reason that religious Jews were angry because an account look at verse 11 because on account of him speaking of Lazarus many of the Jews went away and they believed in Christ they believed in Jesus now I always like to tease that we don't hear we don't see Judas or, or Lazarus we don't see him smiling And then we don't hear of him talking. But it's obvious. How do you keep him shut? How do you keep that in? Hey, I was there four days, man. I was starting to smell myself. Let me tell you something. I believe Lazarus was in paradise. And he has to come back. He has to come back. I'm sure that he told everybody. If not him, everybody else. Because on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and they believed in Christ Jesus. This made the problem of the chief priest even more desperate. Lazarus was drawing people to to Jesus. And in the opinion of these religious leaders, he had to be stopped. They want to kill the truth. They want to kill the truth. And Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life. This is what we're leading into now in the next couple of teachings. As we're going to look at the triumphal entry on Sunday. And as we will look at Good Friday. And as we will approach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again let me iterate early before we get to what everybody celebrates as Easter Sunday morning, we call it Resurrection Sunday. It's not about the baskets with the eggs in it. It's not about the ch- chocolate rabbit, even though the chocolate rabbit tastes good, right? <laughs> it's about Christ. It's about Christ. Now, as the girls grew up in our home, you know, we didn't take away those things, but they knew the story of the cross they knew the story of the cross they knew the story of uh, you know christmas it's important to share because if you take it away completely and totally when they become of age then they're going to run that way train them up in the ways of the lord show them the difference you know, I know a lot of Christians, and some disagree. They have Easter egg hunts, and they do the, you know, plastic eggs, and inside they put scripture and such. And you know, That's up to you. That's up to you. Why do we have turkey, and why do we have ham? What's oh, tradition? Oh, did Jesus have a turkey? Did Jesus have a ham? I don't think so. <laughs> Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word to bring forth your word in clarity. Thank you, Lord, that you moved on my heart to uh, again just kind of sidetrack from uh, the book of second uh, Samuel and just to to see what we have that 's coming upon us in these next couple of Sundays, Lord, and what happens in between lord it 's always difficult to have the exact dates and such and Lord, this year passover. Uh, the Jewish holiday, it, it doesn't fall until April and we'll partake of the Seder meal as we've done in time past. But Lord, uh, we're here to celebrate uh, the risen Christ. And Lord, thank you for showing us uh, Mary's purpose was to worship the Lord. And so Father, we pray for each and every individual here this evening uh, that you would continue to minister to our hearts, Lord. And, Lord, that we would, through the trials, through the hardship, through the pain, whatever we're going through, that we would draw closer to you and to trust you, Lord. Father, bless each and every home uh, that's represented here tonight and those partaking of Livestream and those uh, partaking of the radio ministry later and those partaking of, of the CD ministry. Lord, uh, that we would glean from you that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. We pray for our, our brothers and sisters that are going through, through the hardships in their own lives. Right now, Lord, Ann Roberts is at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona, and she's going to begin the, the process for her cancer, Lord. And, Father, we just, we just want to thank you, Lord, in the midst of all that's going on. You are still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Teach us, Lord, to pray and to believe by faith, Lord, In Jesus' name we pray and we all agree by saying amen.